Today's show is brought to you in partnership with GiveSum. GiveSum is a platform that got on my radar last year. I've been watching with anticipation as they built out their solution. What they have built is brilliant. It's an online platform that allows companies who are already giving to seamlessly engage their employees in the experience by allowing them to choose the causes that matter most to them and choosing where the funds are donated. As my listeners know, I believe that corporate giving needs to be a table stakes when it comes to how we as leaders run our companies. And I also know that sometimes those donations and acts of support don't always connect to the people on our teams. GiveSum solves that problem by creating a bridge where you as a leader can now allow your team to select the causes and charities that matter most to them, and then, through the platform itself, receive direct feedback on the impact of those funds. Gone is the need for the once-a-year town hall or a company-wide email to share what causes the org supported last year. GiveSome allows your team to pick the charities and get direct feedback on the impact the dollars had. One of the best parts, GiveSum does not take a percentage of the donation. 100% of the dollars donated go directly to the charity and to the people who need it the most. GiveSum works with your company, and for a set fee, they administer the entire process. If you're already giving, which statistically speaking, you most likely are, visit GiveSum.com and find out how you can get your entire company involved in making a difference for the people who need it most. Hello and a warm collisions YYC welcome to... I've got a bit of a gaggle of guests on this morning. I don't know if that's the right term or not. I have never had four people on the show. So I am quite excited after 300 and whatever some episodes, it's a collisions YYC first. But I'm very excited and there's going to be some different perspectives. And I think that this topic and the opportunity to really expand it in our pre-call got me really excited about going through the hoops of getting all four of us kind of lined up. So thank you everyone for joining. And I'm going to start, I'm going to go around the room and just give names and roles. But once we get a chance to talk to each of you, we can give a little bit of backgrounds and kind of your connection to the issue. But I'm going to start with the executive director, Lori James, for Making Changes Association. And Lori, I think you and I were the first ones to kind of get connected, kind of got this thing going. We got Shalza Vizram, who is the program manager at the Women in Technology program at the Making Changes Association. And then we have two of the community. And this is a really what I'm excited about this call is really understanding the interrelationship between some of these amazing programs like Making Changes Associations, and more importantly, the companies and the organizations in our city that work with them to make it all a success. We've got Paul Selway, who's SVP Chief Digital Officer at AltaGas, welcome, and Tanya Sharma-Moore, who's Managing Director at Accenture. And to be clear, Tanya, you're based in Cal- you're you're both based in Calgary, Paul and Tanya, is that correct? Fantastic. It's it's my pleasure. So, I'm going to do a little point and shoot here just to kind of get things going so uh, we all know who goes first. So, Lori, I'm going to put you in the hot seat. We're going to jump in the elevator. I love the little pitch elevator or the elevator speech that we've all grown up around. Making Changes Association, up to getting in contact and hearing from you, I didn't really know what you guys were all about. So I'm coming in with my own curiosity, as everyone knows, is my favorite is my favorite thing. What are you all about? Give us a little bit of history of the organization and you know the thing you do in the world that makes you the most excited. We have been around since 1981. We are wow. probably one of Calgary's best kept secrets. So that's part of our job right now is to make sure we get the word out. We are all about empowerment, empowering women uh, and teen girls, uh, supporting their education and employment goals. We serve 2,400 women a year. We have four programs. We've got two clothing-based programs, Dress for Success Calgary and Best Friends Closet, really helping to outfit uh, women and teen girls uh, so they have this the confidence in the clothing to go to that interview, to attend school, uh, to show up for work. We have an employment and life skills program, and then we have our in women in technology program, uh, which is what we're so excited to be talking about today. Oh, you've been in this elevator before, Lori. I really appreciate that. <laughs> how long have you been at the? How long have you been uh, executive director at the, the organization? I joined in October 2022, so I'm a, I'm a newbie to the organization. There is a very passionate group of individuals that have been supporting the organization for many years. So I'm very blessed to be part of part of, part of this community. Amazing. I, oh, that's great. Okay, so fresh. So we're, we're you're, you're, you, you've been also drinking from the fire hose of learning and understanding and leaning in, which, which I love. You guys said something on our first call, and it's, it's not a handout, it's a hand up. And I wrote that down and I kind of put a square around it and circled it as, as such a critical difference. And both can be important depending on where that individual is at. How much is that a factor in your organization? And I, I really like that the, you made a choice to also come work here that much, that, that very recently. So what were some of the factors that really attracted you to the organization to, take, to even take on this role? 
you you nailed it by saying that hand um, hand up because we really want to empower people to step into their own goals, their own dreams, their own power. And we want to instill that confidence and give them the tools. We want to work ourselves out of a job, essentially. <laughs> that would be the, uh, the, ideal, the ideal world. And so it's what drew me to the organization was that passion and that commitment and meeting every individual where they're at, honoring their journey, honoring their experience. We deal with so many um, and get to work with so many women, new immigrant women who are coming from horrible situations and to be able to honor that, but then also help them see a path forward that is really about their goals and their growth. It just, it fills your bucket. It's amazing. <laughs> but yeah, we're still trying to all work ourselves out of a job. I love yeah. that. Absolutely. <laughs> the best need would be the one that wouldn't, that was already filled, that didn't, that didn't re-require. Touch on me a little bit before we get into the women and, and, and give shells of the mic here about the women in technology program. I love the blend because that can seem very um, logical, very framework. Well, we, we need full stack developers. We have a need. You can't be in the business world without knowing there's a need for technology, but making sure they have the right clothes, make sure they feel confident, make sure they feel like they can belong. I love the blend of those two things. Like touch on for a minute, just how important it feels like it might be easy to overlook and sometimes are overly logical or overly processed. Well, we need a certain set of skills, but if you don't feel like you can belong or you don't like those feel words sometimes conflict with the technical side. I see that as really important. And it kind of showed up for me as I was digging in and learning about your organization. Absolutely. And representation is, is such a big, a big piece and it, it hits on so many levels and right down, as you said, even to the clothing piece, we see the women that walk in and the teen girls that walk in and they have the outfit they feel comfortable in and they know looks good on them and it can change everything. It changes the way they hold themselves. It changes the way they want to approach somebody. It just makes all of the difference. It's matching the outside to the inside, that power within to the power that they're showing um, externally. It's it's critical. It, it isn't just about the tech. It is about the soft skills, which I um, believe are actually the the you know the most can be the most important skills. We call them the employment power skills, and mm, that confidence like that. is is a big piece of that. And just because my I have the privilege of video, but you are sitting in a room that seems to have a lot of boxes <laughs> and bags. Um, does, is this a direct like to the, the your community directly contributes clothes? Um, which you've already led you already let me in that you were going to be in a room that looked like you were in a storage room because it's full of donations. Yes, with International Women's Day, March is a a very very busy uh, month for us with many groups doing clothing drives and donations, both financial and clothing wise, to support all of our programs. And yes, we we have literally hundreds of not thousands, probably thousands of pounds of clothing uh, that we sort through and make sure uh, we've got good quality clothing that that um, we can provide at no cost. So our, our clients come and they walk out with key essential wardrobe pieces to get them through that every day of work or every day of school. I love it. I love that you measure, measure clothing in pounds. My yeah. closet, my wife might argue that I could also measure my <laughs> my clothing in pounds. But I thought you were going to say items, but you threw me off with the pounds. No, we have pounds, thousands of pounds of clothes, which is a great, a great form of measurement. Uh, Charles, I'm going to turn it over to you for a little minute. Talk to me a little bit about your involvement in the Women in Technology program. How, first of all, how long has that program been uh, part of the uh, organization? So that program was developed six years ago. Um, uh, the lady that was uh, running the program before me, Charmaine, she introduced this program to Making Changes Association, and it started with networking. And then after we did a couple of cohorts of networking, um, we realized that uh, full, there was more of a scope for full stack web development in the industry. Once after talking to the industry partners, and we developed the program of full stack web development. Uh, since we started the Women in Tech, we've been evolving and we went through the pandemic. We went from one cohort um, to two cohorts. We went virtual in our program. So it's been really nice. Um, we've been able to accommodate a lot of women and actually meet them where they are at and create a program that actually fits their needs. It's been really successful online in the sense that 
um, you know, ba balancing those work and home life responsibilities is a lot easier for our women because of that. So from the perspective, and I always, I, I'm a silver lining kind of person for the pandemic and your program actually sounds to me, I love like how you keep clearly the narrative of meeting people where they're at. And it's so critical, so easy to get caught up. Like I want to help, but I want to meet you where I'm at, not where you're at. And I think that's a very different paradigm. Sounds like COVID though was a force multiplier to just be able to provide more access. And it forced like it did for a lot of us to kind of change the model, which sounds like it's been better for your user. Mm -hmm. Yes, definitely. Like we've been even able to incorporate women that live outside of Calgary. I mean, our demand inside mm. Calgary is a lot as well. But if there's somebody that really needs support and they live in Edmonton and stuff, there's no barriers to entry because of that. Um, we have amazing. two cohorts a year, which are 17 students each. And there's a demand uh, to be able to take more than that because we get over 100 applications. So it's really competitive to get into the program. And we have a, a really uh, extensive recruitment and selection process uh, to make sure that the women are truly interested in joining IT and getting into this field. I appreciate that. So 17, what would be a limiting fact? Because it sounds like you've got the applicants. Sounds like you've got, there's a, it sounds like there's a need. There's a demand. Is it funding? Is it just the ability? Or are you just on the journey of growing the program? And again, not not speaking negatively, but w what's stopping us from putting 24 people in each cohort? I'm just kind of curious what some of the maybe limitations are around just growing this thing. Yeah, it's definitely funding. Okay. Um, and we want to make sure that we're growing in the right way. So is it important mm -hmm. to just add uh, uh, more individuals into the program? Or we were talking about having a two-tiered approach as well, where we can... Um, get a wider scope of women and get them really ready, ready for the program. So, um, you know, have a entry level, uh, program and then have a more advanced, our program currently takes both, um, women that have an IT background and that don't have an IT background. So okay. sometimes it's a little bit challenging to make sure that the program is meeting the needs of both sets of individuals. Right. So maybe getting something that a lower level of, uh, a uh, lower level program where someone that didn't have an IT background or a higher level of English can get into first, get an uh, mm -hmm. entry level job in the workforce and then move into a more advanced program and then get into a leadership type of role. Um, so we get a lot of women working in IT, but they don't always advance. So that mm -hmm. would really help in um you know, connecting the dots and making that work. And um, mm -hmm. industry partners that we work with through our WIT advisory committee, like Paul and Tanya, they're really good in making those connections for us in the industry and getting the women in. So it's just a matter of like, let's advance them further once they're in. Uh, back to if, when, you're, when your mandate is to meet them where they are, it puts a lot of demands on really understanding that paradigm and then being able to build to that. What I part of part of what I was many reasons of being excited about this call was having Tanya and Paul. I'm gonna I'm gonna slowly loop you guys in. This is so far this is laying out quite nicely here uh, with our four guest uh, format around. So many times I I meet the, I talk to individuals in industry and they're frustrated because ah oh, we're not getting what we need from the programs. I talk to people in programs and they're not always getting connected to industry in the way they want. To have the four of you on the call I think is is a very unique opportunity. So. Paul, Tanya, maybe give us a little bit, just, you know, your individual, who you are in your organizations, and then your your relationship directly with this program and kind of what, what your thoughts are also overall on the broader, quote unquote, how do we make this better? Do you want to go first, Tanya? So, <laughs> sorry. See what happened? I throw it out. You I'm going to give, Paul, <clears throat> I'm going to give you the mic, then I'm right. going to quickly turn it back to, to turn it over to Tanya. <laughs> no problem. Yeah, I think the, I think it was probably around 2019 so just before we hit covid there was a we had an event a united away event and kathy coots who was uh, previously in laurie's role came to speak to us and um and she was talking about the making changes program and uh the 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 hand up hand out uh, hand up versus a handout really resonated with me um, but there was a little bit right at the end they mentioned oh we got this women in it program and so i made a beeline to her after the after she'd spoken, I said, hey, I'd be interested in finding out a little bit more about that. Um, it might be an area that, that I could potentially help with our team. And and I think that's really where it kind of took off and um, credit to my team. They've kind of picked up and uh, with very little um, need for me to ask 
you know they 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 have got involved in a ton of things from hackathons to mentoring to interview skills but i think the for me i, I think when we first started to uh, to talk to the um, to Laurie and Chazelle and the and the team um we kind of felt that what would the, the what the program lacked was um was not necessarily within the program it was the access to opportunities for people that had that that were attending the program and this is the and this is the real the the real plus and minus is about calgary and so for anyone listening um, when you're new to calgary there is a a great network and if you're in that network you know you're quids in if you're outside of that network it's very disenfranchising and it's very difficult to get in and actually one of the massive benefits that I think that we provide and and it actually takes very little from me my peers Tanya and others is to actually just open up our networks and introduce it could be as simple as connecting with someone on LinkedIn uh, hopefully more than that you know um, where you're you're actually introducing people giving them opportunities to interview but I think that's the biggest the biggest thing that we noticed that very quickly you know, we could help shape the curriculum. I think we worked Shazar together to kind of have a look at what was more likely to get you employed in the city. Um, that was number one. Two, where could we help with our teams to, you know, to either um, to help um, support the program um, in in whatever way. But the the third one was actually the the goal of the, you know the purpose of the program is to is to upskill them get them back into the workforce or get them into the workforce and that was the real barrier and I think since then you know a ton of my peers which I'll, I'll, I'll name drop a little bit later because I think it's in, in, important their contributions have 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 come uh, have come up with you know with many opportunities um, for um, not just the current um, cohorts but actually going back to the cohorts that previously graduated especially during covid that didn't quite get some of the opportunities as well um, so i think the i think you know overall when i have a look at the of what the the i the the corporate let's call it the corporate it and the technology sector in calgary has come together um, for very little effort overall. It makes a massive difference to to uh, to the uh, uh, the individuals that are attending this this program. Appreciated so much of what you said, and I I often joke Calgary is the biggest small town. But for someone who grows up in a small town, when you're in, you're in. But if you're an outsider and you're new, that's a very different feeling. So I think it, it I can easily get caught up with the oh my god, Calgary's so inclusive and people are so willing to help. And I've had conversations with people in the show. They said, yeah, once you're in the club. And it's a big club, and it's and it's diverse, and it's and it's and it's varying. But if you're an outsider and you're new, it's a, it can be a very cold, like any new place where you land and don't know anyone, can be very challenging. And you're right, that's so easy to do, but often over, over, overlooked. I, we'll circle back on that because I think it's really important. Tanya, I'd love to gain your perspective, kind of on the same lines, or how you got involved with the organization and some of the areas that you really see as kind of the the difference or the force multipliers for companies in your similar that are listening. Like, how can we be better citizens? To support this kind of thing yeah no for sure so paul actually got me into uh, women in technology in 2019 and at that time i was working for microsoft so at the time it was all about working with kathy and selja and others to figure out how do we really start helping you know these women with say microsoft technology and that's when we started with our hackathons and software that they needed to help really build out their curriculum and actually learn how to use the software that the industry was looking at and since then i'm actually now on the board of making changes as well as i co-lead this women in tech program along with paul and it's a cause that's very near and heart uh, near and dear to me um even in my current um, company at Accenture, who's actually been supporting making changes for even longer than the Microsofts, for I think eight or nine years in helping uh, these women with resume writing, interview skills, and all of those soft skills that even Lori spoke about. Um, and if you look at me, just just personally, I am I am an immigrant myself. I came to Canada in 1999 in Vancouver. I've been in Calgary for about 14 years now, so I can relate to what Paul said as well. Like, A, coming into the country, and two, coming into the city here 14 years ago, and how we've evolved as a city, and how the industry and all of the companies now are rallying behind this cause of inclusion and really centered around women. And I mean, I would I would really say that we do have talent shortage in our city 
And I think women in technology and with the skills that we are providing to this, the cohort and the teams there are, are an exceptional talent pool for Calgary, for energy, for oil and gas, and the local technology companies here. Um, 14 years, and you've, you've implied... How much has the landscape changed? And 14 years is a long time, but probably the cycles are getting shorter. But in terms of like, Calgary does and has, and maybe sometimes a myth, sometimes reality, a bit of a redneck, closed door. There is a bit of from outside. When you're here, I quickly found that not to be as true once I built my... But you said that, that you're seeing that change. Is that a force of just society and where we're moving? Is it also a force factor of like, we just need a people we need diversity. We need different perspectives. We're trying to solve bigger problems. I feel like there's a few different avenues that are converging on. We have no choice or, or, or risk just completely being left behind. Yeah, I think it's all of the about, Tyler, and our industry is evolving, right? Just oil and gas, which is predominantly what Calgary's been for the longest time, is evolving. Sure. It's, there's renewables. There's, it's change. It's not what it was say, even 14 years ago. And so that acceptance of the world, globalization, how we look at the world differently is is very rampant now. And I think the population here is changing as well. Like we've had a lot more people come in from across Canada, across the world. We are open more to different cultures and different points of views, different ways of thinking. And I think all of that is making our city so much more special and just and it's evolving like everything's changing and i've seen that for 14 years from where i came in to where we are today and i think it's people on the phone here like paul like salja like lori and all the pioneers that we see here that are really now embracing that change that the city is now i would say i i i say that i moved here from montreal back in 2000 and i remember the first time i drove through downtown and i was like i saw a tumbleweed go across the street i'm like oh my god where have i moved i literally it was like a movie cold windy night and this tumbleweed blows by and there's nobody out and it's a bunch of white people and i'm like what is going on because montreal toronto very diverse environment so i had a bit of a culture shock when i moved here back in 2000 and it's a very different city it's changed significantly uh since then when you talk to some of your peers tanya and you know you said you're at microsoft your Accenture, is this also happening in pockets or are you seeing this and i'm, I'm confidence uh, of course i'm looking for positive but also reality do we still have pockets of resistance or is it starting to get to a point where you know nothing more powerful than an idea whose time is you know starting to run rampant <laughs> There is still resist- resistance, right? Like it's not, I, and that's why this is important. That's why your podcast is important, Tyler. And that's why talking about what women in tech does and what making changes is doing is, is critical. And I think as much as we believe in inclusion and diversity and the, there's, there's a lot of change and the industry is accepting it, there's more needed. And I think it's all about acceptance and then getting to belonging and then the change. So it, it's it's a journey. People are aware of it, accepting it, and trying to move with what's needed for this new world. But the more we can bring this awareness through your podcast and everything else we talk about, I think we'll just create change even faster. So, I mean, there are forums like Accenture. We build, It's like 50-50 on women and men by 2025. I see that in other forums locally. Altagas is, is very uh, um, big into diversity and hiring and training and then keeping diverse talent. But I think more can be done. Yeah, I've always more can be done, but I appreciate the positive kind of bent that you know, as we slowly realize, not only is this a necessity, but it's also good for business. It also creates more diversity and different perspectives in the room, and it's not just a a checkbox of of diversity, equity, and inclusion. There actually is a positive business experience, and I don't want to sound like almost trite saying that. But there's a difference between checking a box and going, oh, wow, this actually is helping us create competitive advantage in our organizations. And I slowly but surely people are realizing that. Lori, circling back to, circling back to you, I love that you're, back to, you're in an interesting pers- perspective. You, know, you can't see the label when you're inside the bottle. It's something we joke a lot in our agency. You have just recently got into this new bottle of yours. So you've been from the outside as well. Curious about the conversations you've been having coming into this new role, because you know that 30, 60, 90, I'm assuming a lot of it was you were talking to people, you were reaching out to the community, you were getting an understanding. Curious, and this is maybe a weird, a weird question, what are some of the things that might have surprised you from the perspective of talking to industry? And you know, you've got the converted here with Tanya and Paul, and clearly you've got believers and, and, and advocates. Did you run into some surprises in other areas where maybe the doors were more closed than you thought? And what, what was it? Was that a surprise to you or not, or not at all? <laughs> 
I actually think my surprise was on the other side. I was expecting a bit more resistance to having the conversations, but I, to all the things that have been already mentioned, the the desire is there, the benefit is seen, like the economic benefit to organizations with that diversity, the need to be connected to talent. Um, all of that is just, it feels like we are hitting this perfect place of, and I, I feel very lucky to be stepping in at this point because so much work has been done to date. And now it is just a matter of how can we ramp this up and, and expand it because the desire and the, the, the need, the people perceiving and understanding the need is there. It's just how do we create that bridge? Um, and, and yeah, and how do we, how do we, it, and the bridge is needed on both sides, understanding on industry side, what, what are some of those considerations when you are bringing somebody onto the team who maybe this is their first work experience in Canada, they've got lots of experience and knowledge and training in other countries, but just understanding the nuances of Canadian culture, um, employment culture and Calgary employment culture and so that's where, yeah, I th if anything, my surprise has been at just how ready people are and and how do we make that happen in a meaningful way, both for industry and for the women that we're lucky enough to serve. Oh, I appreciate it. That's such a positive. That's a great answer. Um, you're curious, because I don't know the details, What's your what does your funding model look like? Are you sponsored by like some of the companies? Some of the that work with you is it government funded? Is it all private pay or sorry private private donors? What is a little bit of because of course this is a blade. I'm a marketer, so I want people to hear this and then find out how they can support you, whether it's <laughs> through roles like Tanya and Paul. But I'm I'm blatantly okay with the ask as well. So I want people to send you money. How does what does that model look like? <laughs> Our model is all of the above. We do receive okay. a fair bit of funding, a good chunk of funding from IRCC, federal government. Okay. Um, we do uh, a benefit from grants uh, through our just some industry partners and including Alta Glass and Accenture and, and some other um, really valuable industry partners as well. We rely heavily on donations and fundraising as well. So it is that it is all that mix. It is always, you know, as, as a nonprofit, the funding is always a challenge because it's constantly needing to be renewed and reapplied. Again, there is some beautiful symmetry and synergy right now because um, STEM focus, technology need, the the need for talent, and that diversity lens. It, it does it does set us up beautifully to be eligible for different grants and funding. Mm -hmm. But it is always how do we how do we diversify and expand as well um, our funding our funding model. Yeah, and I, and I do really appreciate being an organization that's been around since 1981 and all the cycles. When the stars start to align for those periods of time, how do you take the most advantage of them? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And and Shelza referenced it. A big piece, too, is the demand is there. The need is yeah. there. The want is there. And we're we're not the only nonprofit that's experiencing this is how do we leverage as much as we can with the funding we receive? So we don't have women that are sitting and waiting on a wait list and not getting the supports they need in a timely way. And so, yeah, that that those these conversations with industry of where we can get creative and and, and find a channel that is is more you know more effective more essential and critical just helps again create success across the board i appreciate that with on that note so paul and tanny i'm going to turn it back to you so paul your peers are your peers are listening let's let you know let, let's 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 set that up that way what advice would you give or what maybe pointed direction you would give to organizations that maybe haven't embraced this yet or maybe more positively they're looking to but they're not sure where to start or they just don't know and what would be some of the guidance of someone who's been involved with it? And obviously it resonated with you. You had that quantum leap moment. You heard about it, you connected with it, you appreciated it, and you actioned it. That's not always how it goes. So for someone who's on that journey, what's some of the advice that you would give at an organizational level or from a leadership perspective? Yeah, um, I guess the I'd probably say two things. that I, I do have some advice, but first I actually want to say, when I first got involved and we spoke to Shazza, I said, look, I think I can, I think I can help. I'm going to call up some of my peers. 
Honestly, Tyler, it was it was not a hard sell. You know, um, I, I actually had oversubscribed. I think more people wanted to get involved. Tanya, if you remember, we were trying to actually narrow down the number of people involved on the on the steering committee. <laughs> that's, a, that's a success uh, problem. Yeah, I mean, it was a, a great problem to have. So I think the, I think for the for the, my my advice for those who uh, are interested in getting involved is, that, that for not much effort, you can open up your you, you can open up your your network. You can um, utilize the resources that you have at your company within your teams as a, if you're a technology leader. And you can use your personal experience and, uh, and brand to support others. Um, one of the things I wanted to come back to, if you have a look at what we're trying to do in this city, in this province, you know, we're, we're trying to diversify from oil and gas. And if you have a think, a lot of the unicorns that we've had of recently in, in the technology sector, yep. you know, that needs to be supported by local talent. So I think what the program does here is it's bringing local talent. They just happen to be imported fairly recently. Um, and we are giving them the right skills. And that when you look at not just this program, but just just formal education programs generally across the board, one of the things that they will generally lack is not getting the technical skills it's the ability to then secure employment um, and and I think that's the one thing we really focused on is the purpose is not just to train people up we, we want to train them up and we want to give them all the skills but actually we want to secure them employment or better employment and I think that's the what we brought to the table is and I have to say kudos and I am going to name drop with Asuka Tyler so please no this is this shows all about shout outs so please so do between uh, John Hill Scott Walsh, Chris Foster, um, Brian Bench, um, Carolyn Powell, Tony Rizitzi, and Lisa, and I might get this wrong, you can correct me, Tanya, AME. Um, they're, they're on our, um, on our um, steering committee and uh, 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 panel for the w women in IT. And there's three things that we asked them to do, which they have more than delivered. One, help us mold the curriculum. So we're actually, we're actually, um, Given that we're bringing the right skills to bear for each of the, the individuals, to um, support the actual program in terms of resourcing, funding, um, could be as little as helping interview someone, could be as much as, as Laurie was talking about donating money. Um, and the third one, I actually only asked for could you at the very least provide people the opportunity to interview? Um, and I'm going to come back to why that's important. Um, and actually, everyone signed up competitively in a good way and said, I'll do better than that. I will guarantee you that we'll, we'll provide jobs. And that's why we're oversubscribed now in a good way. But the, I'm going to come back to interview because this is the when I first one of the first events I got involved, they were doing speed dating interview. So you, you kind of you, yep. you got three minutes with all the individuals. And what became really, really apparent is that. Um, that people were not getting the opportunities. I spoke to one lady and she had applied for 90 roles and uh, she had uh, not only got no interviews and, and, and no opportunity there for employment, but didn't get one, not one response back. And, and, and that was quite common across the, the 14 or 15 individuals that I'd spoken to. So it became very, very apparent to me. It wasn't, it wasn't a skills issue. It was uh, an access um, issue opportunity and so opportunity. that's the big coming back to the big the question you asked the biggest thing that you can do if you are in this city in the technology space whether you are a cio or whether you are um you know a developer on the ground is actually just uh, open up your network I, i'm going to i'm going to give you a quick um success story so uh, i met um uh um at a friend's party um someone who just moved over from nigeria trying to get into the IT sector, I spoke to one of my team and I um, I asked them whether they would uh, be willing to meet with the, the individual for a coffee and, um, and they did. And that's actually all it took was a coffee with the individual, connecting with LinkedIn and now there's opportunities directly at our company and others just as a result of taking 15 to 30 minutes out of your day. That's all it took. It's amazing to think about, it's easy to overblow this in my mind. It's this big challenge and this big problem. You said, no, we just had a group of people. We asked them. They said, they said, yes, we'll spend some time, 20 to 30 minutes to actually give someone an opportunity to, to go through the, 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 the skill of interviewing, which is its own set of skills, almost it's completely outside from the technical side of things. But you know how little it took to create impact. I think that's a 
a great you know theme to pull out of that it's you know we try to boil the ocean sometimes but no we just need to boil a little cup and we'll we, we can move on we can make tea and move on from there yeah. uh, one of the one of the things i think the we should celebrate you know, Thailand. i know this is a big area for you is the community i know we've talked about when you're on the outside looking in and i can tell in the 15 years i've been we, we've definitely got better at embracing diversity and getting people into the into the circle of trust but i can this is a perfect example in my mind of how very quickly you've got leaders from different industries um, have come together to to support others that have less opportunity than they do um, and and not much effort at all has made a massive impact and, and that sense of community when I mean, we had our last um, we had our last um, uh, meeting uh, women in IT kind of leadership meeting and the I can tell you I've got I, I belong to a few CIO forums and I enjoy my peers we don't have as much fun yep. as we do at the women in IT <laughs> meetings I can tell you <laughs> That's awesome, and I, I know a few of the individuals you listed off: Chris Foster and Lee, uh, Chris being one, and Lisa Amy being the, being the other, and uh, two like just phenomenal leaders that like inclusive willingness to do things. Trying, I don't, I can only imagine the rest. I know two out of that list, and I know what they're like. I can only imagine the rest of that list uh, kind of shares a lot of those character traits, even to be listed the way you did. Um, <laughs> we have more fun. <laughs> um, that sounds like a challenge for your next meeting, but that's another, I'll, I'll let that, I'll, the challenge accepted. Uh, Tanya, I'm curious about something from your perspective and something I've run into in other uh, episodes. I did an episode with Kylie Wood from Chic Geek and talking about, and it was, someone said it earlier and I just been, it's been hanging around the back of my mind. Sometimes women in technology, but they can't move up. They get stalled or they get stuck at a certain level. Like maybe they're in industry and they're working, but for a, a series of reasons, and I'd love you to speak to that a little bit or how important it is when I talked to Kylie, she talked so much about so many women that exit the tech space because of that inability to rise. They get stuck at a certain level. And she talked a lot to me about that phenomenon, which like, oh, once you're in, you're okay and you're good and you can follow the path. She's like, no, no, that's not always the case for women in tech. So curious your perspective on that and uh, how's training and shells all circle back to you. Like how much we don't want to miss that fact that it's not just about entry. It's also once you're in the space and what that looks like. Yeah, I actually I think that's with any industry, right? And and I think that applies to women in any in industry, not just tech. So I'd start by saying, and I've started seeing a change in the new generation of uh, entrants into the workforce where they come in, and it's then the acceptance of keeping them there. And I'll take this, uh, take a different slant to this, and say. It's nice to be invited to the party, but then being, it's better to be asked to dance. And for women <laughs> and others that then Thank stay yep. right through, I think it's the mentors, it's the sponsors, it's the openness of the companies that they're in that train them, give them opportunities for growth, give them opportunities for leadership positions to keep them in that firm. So there's a little bit of the firm's openness to, to not have those unconscious biases, to not think that if a female is back from, say, maternity leave, she should have a lesser job or whatever, but to keep taking those chances and bet on, on women to stay and groom them. And then I think it's on women. Like we had this conversation, Laurie, at our Accenture office just on the Friday to continue to train, to learn, and keep up with what's new, and also just be themselves. I, I don't think they need to pretend to be anybody they're not. I think softer skills are needed in our industry, um, and I think that diversity of thought that women, men, anybody brings is important. And I, so I feel it's a combination of, I don't think it's just tech where women don't see a path to, to grow, it's all industries, but it's a bit on the person themselves, and on the industry that accepts them and just keeps them by giving them different opportunities. That importance at all levels to champion, to support, to mentor, to lift up, to surround yourself, you know, the, the leader who leads from behind, not the front, who's lifting everyone else around them. And we've all heard those terms, but you're right, it's not exclusive to one industry or another. That large organizations, you get lost in the mix and it is it does become a little bit of a game of how do you navigate that? And that's not an, maybe an innate skill for everybody, or for sure. And, and it's not. So that's why lifting up as mm. you go, coaching. Okay, if I just speak to women, coaching them, and then they come into an organization of how do you navigate the politics in a company? How, how do we do play you, the game here? <laughs> yes. How do you play the game here? And for, for folks that Paul mentioned too, we have a great list of um, leaders on our committee, John, Scott, Lisa, Carolyn, Tony and others, as they then embrace this, how do we have the second and third and fourth layers that that are inclusive, that that keep you know get keep these women 
under their wing to then coach them. I think that's necessary. And Tanya, that last part you mentioned was really important. I think, Tyler, we had a really great discussion around what, what else could we do as leaders. Now we've got involved, we're donating, we're helping shape the program, we're introducing people's networks. And we realised that the bigger impact we actually could have was on our teams and actually helping them to understand their hidden biases. And the biggest issue actually is that the CVs or resumes that pass people's virtual desks are just glossed over very, very quickly. And it's it's easy if me or Scott or John say, hey, take a look at the CV from this Women in IT program. And that's a one-off. But really what we want to do to make this sustainable is help people understand, well, why are you glossing over these CVs? You know, um, and... This is what happens when you gloss over, you know, a resume of somebody because the, you know, the name isn't maybe a familiar name or the university is in a country that's not familiar. And we realise the biggest impact we could have is on the, as Tanya said, two, three, four levels down. The people are actually doing the hiring. If we could help them to understand that they had hidden biases and then help turn those around so without our intervention they would actually provide opportunities we realize actually that's the biggest impact we could have because that's actually the most sustainable so i i haven't gathered the evidence yet but i i you know from what i've seen so far you know i I think i think we we've had some success and you know and anyone listening if you are if you are again in the technology sector and uh, you have cvs come across your desk um, and you're not sure whether you have a hidden bias, just take a look again at the name and have a look at the university and the, and the place they grew up in and ask yourself, are you, are you glossing over that because it's not as familiar with you? I love, it's called hidden for a reason and it's okay. It doesn't make you wrong. It doesn't mean that there's something faulty in your circuitry, but how do you catch it? You know, how do you pull it to the forefront and how do you create that? Those sometimes those little checklists of like, oh, wow, you're right. I did have a certain feeling or I, I acted a certain way. Catching yourself doing that, I think is the first, is the first step versus kind of vilifying it, which I think is very easy to do. But I love what you said. If I'm at my desk and I'm a mid-level hiring manager and Paul or Tanya call me up and say, check out this resume, I'm going to look at it. But that's a one-off. That's not sustainable. That's not scalable. It's a slow start and it's maybe, but why do I want you to look at it? How do I want you to look at it? Like, How do you create that change in organizations? So it doesn't fall off when you leave the room. <laughs> and that's a trick I think we all wrestle with. But any, it doesn't have to be a very big organization for that to happen. It falls down and it may look great on a strap plan or on a, on, a, on a poster on the wall, but how does it actually show up on a Tuesday morning at 10 o'clock when everyone's super busy? <laughs> um, oh, sorry, my own philosophy is there a little bit sneaking in. Shalza, curious with some of the candidates that you have going through the course, I guess what percentage, if, you know, if you've got a cohort of 17 uh, going through, how many would fall into, I'm already existingly in the industry and I'm looking to upskill or to progress or change versus what percentage? And I'm assuming it moves around all the time, but how does that differ even where those people are at versus someone who's just getting into the industry or is in the very early stages of getting their career going? So um, all of the uh, women that we work with are either internationally trained professionals. Um, we also accept okay. um, Indigenous women in our program. So they may not have an IT background, but they do have transferable skills in the okay. industry. So um, I would say actually they're mostly qualified. Um, so they have the six-month training um, program that actually incorporates what we call workplace integrated learning initiatives such as the hackathon capstone projects so even if they don't have an it background they actually have experience in it by the time they're going for their practicums so that's really good but i actually wanted to add a piece um as to what paul was saying so i don't think it's all just um unconscious unconscious biases from the industry perspective of employers it's also um are women who self-check out so they see a job posting okay. and um, they may have like 80% of the requirements for that job, but they're still apprehensive about, about applying to that role. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a little bit of an imposter syndrome that's happening to them. They're ki- kind of new to Canada. They're new to tech and they have that um, notion in their mind that IT is male dominant. So they're not very confident in applying to those jobs, even if they have the skills that they, that are required. 
So we really want to work with our women and we give them a lot of role playing exercises. We um, build a network within like a 17 uh, women in a program. It's a really small, close knit group of individuals who have a lot of commonalities. So let's get them to help each other and build their network together and like focus on their strengths. So we those that have the IT background already um, help others that don't. And those that already are good at soft skills training, they help those that require those skills. I really, I really appreciate that perspective. And I personally love the concept of just the imposter syndrome concept and how we're starting to become a little bit more open in talking about that. And I have a theory that, you know, 70% of people admit it, the other 30% lie about it, but that's my theory. That's my made up statistic on imposter syndrome <laughs> through being out there and talking. Um, but I've also, I've also read some studies about just even the fe female versus male dynamic where males will almost overstate their confidence or their ability. Like I have 80% of the skills, but I'll tell you, I have 120%. I'm being very broad. So if I get some hate mail, that's fine. We've all read some of the, but where women have a tendency to downplay and not put themselves forward for that role and that confidence it's so easy to just say in passing, well, no, just, just go do that. But if you don't feel it and you don't believe it, if you don't believe it yourself, it's hard to do that with others. And, but a peer group environment with role-playing and where we're kind of all in it, I can imagine there's a fairly tight series of relationships, like just the network that gets created in your cohorts at the end of those six months is I'm imagining very, very powerful as well. <laughs> and uh, one thing that's been really helpful is getting alumni to come and speak to the current cohort. So they talk about uh, their that. experience, they talk about their roles, that really, really helps with building confidence of the current students and showing that they can actually succeed. It's not that just taking this program for getting another certification under their belt, they're actually gonna be able to use that, uh, those skills and get into the workforce. I really appreciate to see it, be it kind of mindset. Um, curious, Tanya, Paul, maybe a broader industry question. Obviously, you can't open the news without seeing a series of layoffs at some of the big rapid growth tech companies, whether it's Meta or whoever, whoever is the flavor of that week that happens to be doing layoffs. Are you seeing a change in terms of maybe from anyone I've talked to in the last three years, there's been a technology gap for recruiting and hiring in Calgary or in Alberta, Western Canada, maybe everywhere. Are you seeing any kind of shifts in that across your own industries, maybe early days? with some of the tech talent that is now being liberated of their positions very heavily in the in the US but anything on the horizon that you, the either of you are seeing is a little bit crystal ball of what's kind of going on around some of the cutbacks I mean certainly Tyler, I think with the technology company there's been a tightening and I think you had you know you had you, you had a few years of plenty where you know people joined the workforce um, yeah, some drunken hiring practices. I mean, I'll tell you, there's always room for good people. Um, but but I, I, you, you're right. Right now, I think there's a tightening, and I think uh, I think this comes back to something Cesar was saying earlier about having transferable skills. So although it's very technology focused, the the other skills that Cesar and the team are providing are not just for for IT roles. I, th yes. I think that's really important to help. Uh, provide a bit of flexibility in times like this. But yeah, no, no, no doubt there's a bit of a squeeze right now. Daniel, mm -hmm. are you seeing kind of the same thing across the board? Obviously, Accenture has a pretty big reach. <laughs> and you guys also write the greatest papers and do the most research as well. <laughs> no, no, and we do. And we are about a million people globally across 155 countries. Wow, but Paul is absolutely right. I mean, over COVID for different reasons, like hybrid work and whatever that might be, it was there was a huge demand for technology, which led to, you know, technology companies doing really, really well. But I would say, yes, there's been a softness for many reasons, including the financial crisis that we are seeing with some of the banks, et cetera, and the economy in general. What I still feel the need is for is, is IT folks that can translate business requirements to, to technology. Mm. So that can really be that conduit between IT and business. I, I feel there's need for that. And I feel even in Calgary, coming back to, you know, what I think Paul said in, just before, Selja, our, our city is evolving from not being a singular industry to actually yeah. being very tech focused now right and and i think the needs that need is still there it's just for different talent so so being able to apply technology for the benefit of business is what i see the need for today and a lot of data uh, skills uh, yes and as with the onslaught of the the door that chat gpt has opened and that was already there but the the, the onslaught of what's happening in that space. And what I've had a lot of people on chatting about 
it's great that you have technical expertise, but how do you apply that from a subject matter perspective? And how do you blend those two together and by that transferable skills? And great, I really understand this technology, but how does it impact this business in a positive way to be a value or a differentiator? And you know, I do appreciate some of that. And it's times like this where you definitely see- so Tyler, I, I have to do five minutes, but there's two things I, I, if, I, if you're okay, I wanted to say. If, and you can, you can choose Please, to choose. Absolutely, yeah. Let's, we're, 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 we're closing so in on the end, so perfect timing. Because um, I know you'll cut this in and out. So I think really, really important, this program could not be run without Laurie and Chazelle. So me and Laurie, me and, Ta- me and Tanya, you know, we, 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 we do, we do what we can and we, we've raked, you know, we've, uh, we've uh, uh, raked in a lot of uh, others uh, in our industry to help and, and I think it makes an impact, but make no mistake, this program will not run without Shazelle and her team and Laurie and her team and, and their, their dedication. So I've just, I, I want to kind of put that on the record because that's extremely important. They run this day to day. The second one is the, I want to kind of come back to the hearts and mind and why you get involved in something like this and Tanya tapped on it but something personal for me that I think if anyone in their background has anything uh, has any has immigrant sort of ethnic minority background it's somewhere in their family tree um, try and kind of pull out that memory because I think one of the things that we find uh, and the, the great thing about in, in today if you're if you're in the circle it's great but if you can remember what it's like not to be in the circle, if you have family members gone by, um, I, I had I had a mother and I had a mother-in-law who were new to the UK and England in the 60s and 70s, and they were ethnically diverse, and it was not a very welcoming place. And I listened to the stories of how they had to sort of make it and how they had to sort of provide for families. Um, and I'm very, very glad that in Calgary in 2023 that we have programs like this and people like there were some of the people that we mentioned that are willing to pay it forward or just or just not even pay it forward, just pay it and just and create opportunities for others. Because I think that's the that is the big success story here. If, I, if we have a look through the 20, 30, 40, 50 years of our lives and you think about the big changes, there's a lot of stuff that we could hunt we could err on that's negative, but the positive stuff is that the sense of community and humanity um, that is displayed and the way we can blend now our, our whole lives, our work lives and our personal lives, which is something that didn't really get done decades ago, if you can remember that far back. And, and that's, what, that's what I love. I love the fact that I can blend you know, work and home. You know, and I have, I have three immigrant daughters, I have an immigrant wife, and they have not had to go through quite the same challenges as some of the people on this program. Uh, but I've had a but I've had an immigrant mother, an immigrant mother-in-law that had to put up with probably more than the the individuals on the program today. And so that's kind of why personally I do it. So if, if this resonates with you and you've had that, you know, uh, in somewhere back in your family tree, get involved. Paul, that was boom mic drop moment. Paul, a quick question for you, and something I'm curious about in so many of the industries that I have an opportunity to interact with. There's an, there's a, there's there's an ecosystem behind the scene, the kind of the informal trade group, if you will, for yourself specifically about this opportunity to induce more individuals, introduce more individuals into the tech space. What's that been like for you, and do you collaborate directly with some of the other leaders here in town? Yeah, no, absolutely, great question. I think the, I mean, first of all, I think the support has been fantastic. We haven't really had to go and market. Um, a lot of the leaders have come to us. I think once we got the initial um, kind of program moving and people heard about it, they wanted to be a part of it. And we've been blessed. I think we've got a lot of the, the great local leaders from our great local Canadian Calgarian companies. And, you know, we, we have um, we have John Hill at Suncor. Um, we've got Chris Foster and Scott Walsh at, at Pembina. Um, we have Dave Wilkinson from Field Safe Solutions, which is a local technology company. And behind the scenes, we've had Cam Barrett, who's the CEO of that company, has been instrumental in in, uh, in uh, connecting us to um, you know, networking us locally. Um, recently, we've had joined um, we've uh, we've had Carolyn Powell at CNRL, um, Lisa Aomi from WestJet, who I believe you know, um, I do, I do. Tony Rizzuti at, at MMAX, um, and recently we have Brian Bench from from Wipro joining us as well. Uh, and of course, for my company, from Outergas, we've had Greg Carl, who sits on the committee, and and he does a lot of the the the, the work really on my behalf. I'm kind of just the the face. He does the real work. Um, and actually, behind <laughs> the, 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 the hands behind the yeah. hands behind the face. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> Indeed. And actually, behind Greg as well, we had a great team. We've had uh, Alex Groman, um, Cheryl Ash, um, Brent Parker, 
and uh, recently we had Ross Murray, and they've done they've they've provided a lot of support for the um, for the hackathons that we've had in particular. And then two people that I definitely do want to give a shout out. They're two people that are now employed by um, by Atagas, but are actually graduates of the program. We met through the program. Oh, amazing! Uh, I love it. Uh, and they've been given back, and have been they've been mentors and judges on the hackathons amongst other things. And that's Kelly One and Ada Ikin, um, Ikinwa. And so th- th- there's many others, but I think they're they're the individuals that A, are on the committee and B, have been uh, working on a lot of the, the events that we've had. So, yeah, really- important to shout out for those names. No, thank you. This show's all about giving those shout outs and giving those 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 raises up of the people that actually spend the time and the, and the energy to have impact in our city. And I, I'm impressed. That's a that's a bit of a who's who's list of some of the big enterprise level uh, technology cohort here in, in Calgary and some of the leadership team. That's fantastic. Yeah, and and to be quite honest, there's a there's a there's a longer list of those I think you'd probably want to be involved in at some point. We'll 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 expand that out. We're just trying to make it sustainable. But yeah, couldn't do couldn't run the program without them. I think there's an underpinning message. We're always looking to grow that list. So if you hear this and you didn't hear your name, that's on you to give us a quick phone call and give us an email and, and reach out. I take it, Paul, you're open to conversations about this at any time. The, the absolutely, I will always pick up the phone or respond to an email. So absolutely. Please reach out to me and Tanya. We, we would love to hear from you. Paul, I'll, I'll let you step off. That was a fantastic way to, to end your, your, your portion of the call. It was a really pleasure chatting with you. And uh, I love the blend part because it's not just your work and life. It's, your, it's the values you can carry between the both that really drive the power. And I love that. As I'm hearing that come through loud and clear with your, with your kind of position you put on the table today. So Paul, I'll let you go off to your meeting, but thank you so much for joining us. It was an absolute pleasure. Mm. Well, I, I, I don't, I don't know if Paul, we could all. We, Paul said it so well. <laughs> Tanya, do you, are you also? I know you have to. You guys are in all day meetings. Do you have to step out as well? Hmm? I do, Tyler, and and you know, Paul was so um, human and authentic in what he said. I, I would echo his sentiments as well. I have worked with this organization. I've gotten to know Lori really well and Salja. These are the two most hardworking people that I know, and they're That's fighting awesome. for change, which is what making changes stands for. Change is hard, so I, I stand behind them i encourage all our listeners here to stand behind them and support this cause diversity of thoughts important that's what this organization is bringing to our city which is absolutely you know phenomenal the uptake we've seen thus far and let's keep the momentum and i guess personally paul's talked about his story hey i'm brown i'm from india i came here in 1999 i'm it's this is extremely near and dear to my heart and i would say lift as you go a lot of people lifted me up took a chance on me bet on me and i want us all to do the same for everybody else Tanya, thank you so much for coming on the show thank you for the work you do and the contribution to our community and i look forward to chatting with you again that was great thank you bye Tyler. well Lil, i hope laurie i hope you two feel awesome right now because that was that was great <laughs> it, it, it's amazing and there there were were so we couldn't do it without their support and, and at the end of the day, though, it is the women that we are blessed enough to work with and serve. They are the ones that have to really put in the hard work and overcome so many of the barriers that that's the inspiration. Um, we're better and stronger together uh, just as a, as a community. And the, the work of women in tech and the women and their success is just beautiful evidence of that. Um, it's it's committed individuals, it's committed industry, it's a committed nonprofit, um, all working together with these committed women and their success is just our success. Spoken like a true servant leader, Lori. Well, 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 well said. Chelsea, thank you for coming on and thank you for the work you do because you live and breathe and you're in the trenches, quote unquote, with this every day, working with these amazing individuals and providing the education and the environment and the inspiration. So fantastic on, on, on all of you. And uh, it was really fun to learn the story. So um, I had a great time. I hope you guys did as well. Thank you. It, excellent. You again, you make it so easy. You make it light. I, it, Thank you, you. Do, you're really good at your job. <laughs> See, that's the key. It's not a job. It's what I do for fun. Yeah. <laughs> I think I would still be okay if, if I was doing my job, but because it's for fun and because I do it, because I get to meet people and it's the best way to network while simultaneously going, huh, well, that kind of changes how I see that, doesn't it? Yeah. And if you can do that every day of the week, that's a, that's a great week in my books. A hundred percent. It's like Tanya said, that diversity of thought, diversity of learning, it comes in 
all different shapes and sizes yes, and opportunities. It does. Very true. Yeah. But you got to put yourself out there to make it happen. So and kudos to all the women that sometimes I take the risk, feel uncomfortable, feel vulnerable, feel imposter syndrome as well. I love that you brought that up. They they still they still have to sign up. They still have to find the time in their busy lives. Yeah. Everybody's busy. No one has time for something new in their life unless you make time. And that takes a lot of courage. I don't want to underestimate that for a second. It's oh yeah, just take a course. While on top of XYZ, family and household and kids and life and all the things that that suck up. But my life does a really good job of sucking up most of my time. So to fit something new in, that there, that takes a lot of courage to even commit to that. So kudos, kudos to all the women that hopefully you're listening as well. This is about you and that uh, take the risk. And I say that like tongue in cheek because everything is a bit of a risk that to go out and do a course like this with the hopes that it'll make life better. And it's all about hope at the end of the day, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Thank you both. And um, oh, hey, I almost forgot. I'm so wrapped up in the, the emotions of this call. What's the best way for people to get a hold of you? How do they join the, how do they apply? Is it go to the website? What's, what is, what's the best avenue? Website, makingchangesassociation.ca. Uh, Shalza, myself, Paul and Tanya, we're all on LinkedIn. We would love to talk. We would love to share our experience. And there are so many different ways for people and organizations to get involved. And we, uh, just the same way we, we, we meet our women where they're at, we're happy to meet uh, industry and organizations where they're at as well and, and find that. ways to, to engage. Perfect. Thank you both. It was an absolute pleasure having you guys on. I think our, our four-person episode was a success. I'm going to bold, boldly say that. I'll check the audio. But we had a few little glitches. So for anyone who's listening, I apologize. And podcasting, although... Um, widespread is not always an exact science. So I always appreciate um, uh, the audience and everybody. If you're still listening at the end, well, you're clearly, we're committed to the to learning about the story. So th thank you. And uh, I'll chat with you both again. Thank you, Tyler. It's really nice thank being you. here.